lamenting the Leafs. We are back. Gentlemen, good to be here with you again. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, way too long. That break was uh, not something we needed over the holidays. There wasn't much else going on, and then no hockey to watch on top of it. Nice to be back. Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded our last episode, about three weeks ago, just before things got shut down. So, Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> we were uh, joined by Kyle Cushman for an update on some lease prospects. Uh, still lots of good stuff that's still relevant. Of course, the World Juniors talked and end up being relevant at all, but it was mostly about lease prospects. Uh, but yeah, then everything got shut down. So we also shut her down for the holidays and now we're back and the Leafs have a couple of more wins under their belt. And for the second straight episode, we're recording on the heels of the Leafs just pushing the Oilers around, um, which is always good. A uh, couple of, uh, of nice wins and uh, the, the way being led, as we all would have expected, by Ilya Mikheyev, who seems to finally have found <laughs> a scoring touch. Got it for the holidays, I guess. The Cobra has returned. That's right. I think yeah. we talked about it in maybe one of the off-season pods about how just it was the wrong time to get rid of him. I think that's the, that's kind of the, the, the conclusion I came to is like, you're selling him at his absolute lowest point and there's no way he's going to continue to shoot whatever astronomically low shooting percentage he shot last year. And, and you're just seeing him kind of come back to earth a little bit. Like, I mean, he's not going to score a goal every game clearly, but he's, you know, if the bounces start going his way, even a little bit, you know, more than they did last year, because it wasn't like he didn't generate chances last year. That third line is going to be the best third line I can remember at least having in a long time. Yeah, he may have been, or he may have had one of the unluckiest seasons I've ever seen as a hockey fan last year with all the chances that he was able to generate. So it's definitely nice to see him get rewarded. I think you can make the case that he's been the Leafs' best player in both games since they returned from their little hiatus there over the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, to your point, Keith, a really smart move by Dubas to not give in and and move Mikheyev at his lowest value. And now they've kind of appeased him by giving him some power play time, maybe putting him in some more offensive situations here and there. And it, it's started to pay off. And if Mikheyev can continue to play like this, uh, he's going to be an extremely valuable player down the stretch and into the playoffs probably one of the, the underrated moves of the off season. I don't know how quickly we want to get into some of the other off season moves, but uh, so, some news today about one of the, the, the less favorable off season moves that Dubas made. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Nick Ritchie getting waved in a little bit. Um, you know, obviously I think McKayev's play of like kind of makes that a little bit of an easier decision, right? He's really going to lock down that third line. Absolutely. For you. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, as you said, looked great in both of those games. I thought that the Leafs were kind of fortunate to get uh, the senators and the McDavid lists Oilers in, in some ways though. I yeah. Mean, yeah. McKayev looked good. A lot of guys looked a bit sluggish in some of those games. And, and you know, the Leafs stuck with it. Obviously got that, a big win over Ottawa eventually. Uh, didn't look great at all times, but it's Ottawa. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, I thought that Rasmus Sandin had a great game against the Sens. Less so against the Oilers, I guess. But, um, you know, Matthews certainly hasn't uh, dominated the way we're used to seeing, although it just feels like he, he's ripping them high and wide. Keith, I know that you've uh, <laughs> dealt with some trauma in that area. Yeah. yeah no, both the, of uh, us last night. That's yeah, right. Nick, Nick, had, Nick had the over as well, and, and I still need to go back to the film on that power play shot because I'm sure it hit, it hit Smith. But 
Yeah, I uh, my first foray into betting anything other than just like wins and losses and stuff like that, and thought that Matthews at over three and a half shots was sure money. Learned my lesson quickly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he it's kind of like I don't know. He just he doesn't necessarily seem to have you know have it right now, but not something that I'm even slightly concerned about with a guy like that he'll get it back on the track pretty quickly yeah as you mentioned cam most of the team looked pretty sluggish save for a few guys in in these first couple of games back i think it's a big adjustment you know not just all that time off but they're returning to no fans in the building again and sheldon keith has voiced his opinion on that a number of times uh, just in in recent days about what it's done to the atmosphere in the rink and how it's kind of made the games feel like scrimmages rather than legit games. And I think that's something that the players have kind of struggled to adjust to as well. The manufacturing their own intensity and just, you know, being able to, to get on teams early when they don't have the crowd behind them or that natural energy in the building. Um, It's going to be nice to see them get out on the road for a little stretch here and play in front of some fans again. Uh, I I think it's been a little bit depressing for all of us uh, lately with the, the way the COVID situation has gone and having to watch games with uh, in an empty building again is, is only adding to that. Yeah. It just sucks, man. Seeing those stupid blue tarps up again. Like I just, it's, it's noticeable. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm just terrified of the fact, you know, if this doesn't calm down, like not having, fans and playoff games is starting to creep into my mind and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's gotta be hard on the players too. You gotta remember like it, these guys are all living in, in that city as well. Right. And, and we all know about uh, the recent restrictions put in place and you know, they're, they're already kind of living under strict rules in terms of league protocols and what they're allowed to do and, and things like that. So the, the added restrictions and just the overall adjustment to, to the way things have, have unfolded in the real world outside of hockey has no doubt had an effect on, on the way they've played. Yeah. So like you said, uh, interesting road trip coming up. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, just got to say, before we move on to a little bit of Nick Ritchie talk here, I haven't missed Zach Hyman even a little bit this season. I have to be perfectly honest with no, you. Yeah. And I know that part of that is is because of the way he's been replaced and, and the guys who've stepped up. But I, I just I haven't hardly thought about him other than when the Oilers have they, they played the Oilers the couple times they have and the first time he was out of the lineup. And and it just it hardly crossed my mind. Well, the other big thing is the Leafs have lost like what one regulation game since the end of October or, or something ridiculous like that. I think it's a lot easier to, to feel that way now than maybe it was early in the season when things weren't going so well for the Leafs and Hyman was ripping shit up with the Oilers. Uh, but yeah, you said it, the, the way that they've been able to kind of fill his place in the lineup with guys like Bunting and Andre Kasha stepping up on really great cost-efficient deals. So that's definitely made it a lot easier to, to kind of move on as a fan. Uh, the one thing I'll say is it, it was a bummer that there w- weren't any fans in the building to show their appreciation for Zach Hyman in his return to Toronto during his little video tribute. Yeah. I hope they kind of do it again or, or 
try something else when the fans are able to get back in the building and the Oilers come to town again. Yeah, they they will do it again, and the Oilers will be 10th in the West at the time again, and, and it'll be <laughs> a great time. And it, I think that if you look at like a picture of Hyman from – Wednesday night and then you look at a picture of Hyman um, when they actually do honor him it'll be like one of those presidential aging photos <laughs> well, well well kind of back to like the offseason moves thing and decisions that Dubas and his staff made the d- decision to move on from Hyman is also looking like one of his best moves of the offseason just considering the way they've been able to replace him and you know the cost benefit and the the flexibility in terms of being locked into a long-term contract with a guy like Hyman versus having a younger, well, two younger players in Andre Kasha and Michael Bunting, you know, locked up for at least the next year. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like, again, not like Hyman's playing poorly. No, not by any means. He's, he's, it's just the, the, the context of it. Like you, you don't want to give, you know, term to a guy who's about to turn 30 that, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty confident saying that his best years are either here or behind him. Um, a guy that's already had, you know, some knee and some like lower body injuries and has a lot of miles on his body. At, even at, even though he, you know, he, he didn't necessarily come in as an 18 year old or anything like that. He's still just not the type of guy you, you want to lock up long term on UFA as likable as a guy as he is and as like, you know, hardworking and the type of guy you want to have in your team. I think we all said it. And I think even when we said it, at least in the back of my mind, it was like, well, yeah, you know, easier said than done, but you want to go out and find kind of the next Hyman. You don't like a Hyman, the Hyman from five, six years ago. Like you don't yeah. want to sign the Hyman today. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I'm not going to say that bunting is the, is the absolute answer for the next four years or whatever, but for 900 and whatever grand for, for this year and next year to put up, you know, pretty much the same kind of point totals. Um, uh, it, it's, by far his best move, and, and that's saying something considering how good Kasha has been. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, he, he's a complimentary piece, right, Hyman? Like, he's a really good one, but yep. that's not where you want to spend your money, and you want to tinker with those pieces instead, and they've done a pretty good job with that. Now, that kind of leads us into Nick Ritchie, which is another you know guy that they, they invested on the left side and hope that that will work out, and it has resoundingly not done so. They can't all be home runs. No, and yeah, this was not even a, a bunt. This wasn't even <laughs> Uh, this was like bunting with two strikes and fouling it off. <laughs> I, you remember remember those those wonderful days? I think that there was like one podcast where we were like, eh, Nick Ritchie hasn't really been absolutely horrendous for the last couple of games. That was that was well, a great we've, time we were all short trying to like let us love you kind of kind of vibes. And uh, oh, I wanted to yeah. real bad, yeah. like you know. Yeah, do you think he's yeah. done? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that any of us believe he's getting claimed. Some people seem to believe that. We're recording this obviously the night of him being waived, so we'll find out uh, on Friday afternoon. But, but I, I just don't see him getting picked up. Hopefully, they'll be able to move him out in, in some way. But I don't think anyone's taking that deal for the next two years, right? This year, the rest of this year, and then another. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. This year and next. I don't see him getting claimed. But I also don't think it's an impossible contract to move in the offseason. I, I think he likely goes down to the Marlies, plays a pretty big role there, gets called up at some point again, maybe is sent back down again. I, I don't know, but I don't I don't see him being on the lease next year. Um, barring like, you know, a, a him going down, playing well, coming back up and playing well or something, you know, that could happen. 
Um, but it does kind of look like the guy's just not really an NHL player anymore. But at the same time, he's got that skill set that NHL GMs absolutely salivate over. And if you go to somebody in the offseason who thinks they need a little bit of toughness and you're like, hey, here's a 26-year-old guy that can score. He scored in the past. He had a down year, whatever. You sell him. I can't see why somebody wouldn't take him for you know absolutely nothing, like a low pick for a guy that can – you know, do all those physical things and potentially score something for one year at two and a half million. I, I, I don't think it's impossible to move. Yeah, well, it's a, a tricky situation for the Leafs right now because they are kind of invested in Richie and they are locked into that cap hit for next season. And if they haven't been able to make it work with him and now, you know, that eventually it's led to him being put on waivers and likely demoted to the minors or at least the taxi squad, I don't think that does anything for his trade value. So it, it all ultimately they're doing the best thing for the lineup right now. Um, Richie doesn't deserve to be in the the top twelve forwards, uh, considering the way he's played and the, the way that guys like Mikheyev and Engvall and Simmons, etc., have played. Well, I mean, honestly, he's we we said this earlier in the group chat. Like I for value production per dollar that he makes, like I. would think Clifford's probably a better fit right now. You know, he's, he's, he only, he makes less than half of what Richie makes and he could do everything Richie's done so far. Like, I think Richie has the higher probably ceiling of, of offensively for sure. But yeah, but for what he's produced, I think the defensive impact that Clifford can give you on the fourth line is probably a lot more of a net, net positive than, than Richie's apparent offensive instincts that we've yet to see. Well, that's the thing is Richie hasn't even provided that offense that you would have hoped he would. And there have been a number of occasions where he's made glaring errors or it's, he's been noticeably too slow to get back to to cover defensively. And he's been a liability in that regard. So if he isn't providing offense and he's a liability on the other side of the puck, there's just no room for him in this lineup. And frankly, he looks so slow. It's it's hard to envision him finding success again in the NHL without, you know, increasing the pace of his game a little bit and not just his actual like foot speed. He's just slow to react to things. He He's not getting to the right places. I, I think that he does have the offensive skill. He can shoot from in close. He's got quick hands actually for a big guy. But if he can't get to the places to, to make those plays – it's all for naught. He looks lost. He lo- he just looks lost. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a pretty clear like dichotomy between him and like Engvall or Mikheyev, right? Where like obviously yeah. those guys also don't have the shooting luck at times, but at least they're doing other things. They're they're skating hard. They're fast. They're you know making uh, responsible decisions for the most part. Uh, when Richie's not putting the puck in the net, which he hasn't done at all with the Leafs other than in the preseason, uh, it's, you know, you just don't want him out there doing what he does if he's not actually contributing on the scoreboard. And now, you know, Mikheyev's clipping along nicely. Other guys have filled out their roles very well. And, and you know, he, he just became the very clear odd man out. So um, I know you were I know you were mostly talking about Mikheyev there, but that's the nicest you've ever been to Pierre Engvall in the history of this podcast. But you know what? Like, I think we've kind of the, the Pierre Engvall stock on lamenting the Leafs has been rising steadily this season. I, I, I believe I believe 100%. I said after he got into a playoff game that he was not dog shit. So I, I resent that. <laughs> um, you know, in all honesty, though, Engvall has been solid for the most part this season. I know there's been times where he's been frustrating and he makes some strange decisions with the puck on his stick now and then. But, you know, for the most part, I, th- I think you 
got to be pretty happy with what he's provided up for the money he's making and the the role that he's been playing. And and now with Mikheyev back, uh, once everyone is healthy, if everyone is ever healthy all at once, uh, and that third line is made up of Mikheyev, Camp, and Kasha, you've got Engvall adding some speed to that fourth line alongside Spezza and Simmons. I think that's a pretty good mix. If you in, on the topic of you know players that have kind of figured out their role too, like. Turfoot doing yeah. what he's doing has made this team so much better because there's no longer that kind of search for who's going to play in the top six, you know, and cycling Richie in and out and trying different guys there. Like he's found chemistry with Tavares and Nylander. He's, he's very, and he's just found his role. And I think that that's, that's a big thing for Turfoot. The thing with him, yeah. he's never had a home. Like he's, he's been, is he the third line center? Fuck. I talked about him being the fourth line center going into the season just because he was there and he wasn't going anywhere else and just didn't really see a home for him in the top six, but he's figured it out. He's clearly a more impactful player as a winger. I think he's pacing over 55 or 50, over 50 points right now. It's, it's a guy that I think a lot of people, I, I defended Kerfoot a lot early on, but I was more or less defending him because I didn't think he was getting used in a very flattering way. Like he was just bouncing all over the place, but that's also an indictment on him too, because it meant that there was no real clear way to play him. But I think yeah, he's figured it out. I wrote about that very thing in the offseason, Keith. I, I noted that Kerfoot's versatility had kind of been a blessing and a curse for him up to this point just because he hadn't been able to find a home and, and they were able to shift them all over the place and that made it even more difficult for him to lock down one permanent spot. But it, yeah. it, it seems like he definitely has found that spot. Uh, perfect complementary piece on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. And, and yeah, I think he, he's given you everything you could ask for in that spot so far. I mean, the role ultimately, when you look at, especially with the forward group, like the role is if your name isn't Matthews, Marner, Nylander or Tavares, then you better have your fucking legs pumping like you're the Terminator. And ultimately, that's why, you know, Kerfoot has worked out nicely and Mikheyev and Engvall and Nick Ritchie's on waivers. Yeah, 100% because Nick Ritchie didn't have that urgency in his game whatsoever. Yeah. Imagine if he did, though, because I, I was going to say it w- when we were talking about him earlier, his physicality was a very welcome presence w- when it was there. Like it, it, He probably laid some of the biggest hits we've seen out of Eddie Leaf in the last you know, four or five years, but it was, it was just too sporadic, and it, you never knew yeah. when he was going to show up and play with that kind of intensity. And yeah, back to th- the main point, if he wasn't producing any offense and he wasn't consistently bringing that out on the ice every night it was only a matter of time before you know he lost his place yeah as much as i was kind of ready to move on after like three weeks of, the, of this project I'm, I'm still a little surprised at how quickly it happened but um you know that's what happened that's that's those are the uh, uh, expectations I, here. i'm a little surprised that dubis is like almost you know throwing in the towel as, as soon as he is i think his hand is kind of forced just by how tight the, the team is to the cab yeah. but it like I was kind of alluding to earlier, this is a a move that they're still kind of tied to for the foreseeable future. And and he's not the, he's not a player that can have his entire cap hit buried in the minors. So it's not as if like he clears waivers and he becomes that much more attractive as a trade piece. So it doesn't tell me, I I find it hard to believe that a fucking guy like Brian Burke or something like that isn't going to take a flyer on him as a reclamation project. I know that like his value is low and everything, but if you, if you have the cap space and you need a player and you love that type of player and you think you can come in and get something out of him that other people couldn't, I, I, 
Yeah. I just don't think it's impossible. And the current environment could influence that too, right? Like a lot of teams are, are, are dealing with all this COVID stuff and other various injuries, right? So some teams are shorthanded right now. There is always a chance that someone could see something in Richie that, you know, makes them throw in a waiver claim or call up the Leafs about trading for him. But. I should be clear. I, I don't think it's this season. I think it's the offseason. Like I, I, I think when the shuffle happens and guys are, you know, teams are lo- looking to fill out their rosters and have a little bit more flexibility, I think, I think, I was looking at Cap Friendly today, just with the uh, the talk that Friedman and Merrick had about the potential that they think that Drew is going to get traded. I just went on and looked at like who's got cap space, and nobody has cap space. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's it, it, nobody can do anything right now. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting because certainly I think that the, the wheels are moving on this because of you know they they want to move him before well um, it's a crucial move for them to make you know given their cap situation and some of the guys that they are going to try to keep around in the offseason they can't afford to have dead money on the books yeah they, they want to try to create as much flexibility as they can and and you know they, they clearly have some roles that they want to want to fill and and um we'll see where it goes um it, it does give them a little flexibility just before we move on it does give them a little bit of flexibility immediately um it, it clears they can bury i think 1.1 million of his cap hit in the minors so it does free up a little bit of space right now if uh, uh my pal earl from the leafs nation our uh, cba slash salary cap genius for lack of a better term i guess uh he had a couple tweets earlier if richie does stay on the taxi squad or in the minors uh from now until the trade deadline the Leafs could accrue up to a million dollars in cap space if they are able to move him um, before then, or in the in the next couple of weeks. I guess they could potentially accrue up to four to four and a half million dollars in cap space before the deadline. So there, there is probably going to be a sense of urgency uh, from Dubas to try and get Richie moved to another team, but you, you have to believe that he already tried shopping him around the league before placing him on waivers so i I still think it's going to be a tough move to make uh, ahead of this deadline but yeah as keith said probably something that they're going to work hard to do in the offseason yeah and and just a note before we move on if he does clear waivers that could potentially make him just that slightly a little bit more attractive to a team that maybe wants him for the taxi squad or something but um, yeah, that's a good yeah, point. The, the contract is ultimately yeah. uh, ultimately yeah. is what's going to cause the problems. Um, so Nick, Matthew Nyes um, only got one game in at the World Juniors before the the plug got pulled. Um, watched a little bit of him in the, the pre-tournament. He, he looked like a standout. Uh, he's looked like a standout all season with Minnesota in the NCAA uh, and now has been reportedly um, – uh, added to a list of players, the uh, U.S. Olympic team. Lots has obviously happened since our last recording. <laughs> NHLers are not going to the Olympics we're, anymore, we're by ass- the way, if you haven't yeah. heard that bit. We're assuming that you guys know a lot of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're not fucking follow we're Chris Johnston here. We're, yeah, we're <laughs> in our gig. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously NHLers not going to the Olympics. Matthew Nyes might be, it sounds like. Yeah, that, at least in, invited. He hasn't accepted yet, but it seems like he's going to get invited. Yeah, he's part of the yeah, list, the preliminary list that every country has to put together and and has to kind of draw their team from. It doesn't mean that he's he's going to be part of the the team, but just to be considered for something like this as a guy just post draft. I mean, obviously the pool is limited because you're looking at like college guys and guys who are overseas. But um, man, that, I, you got to think that he's obviously not even on the radar for this, if not for the incredible start he's had this season and even just a little bit 
opposite of his showing at the World Juniors probably helped just that little bit more because lots of junior guys, and this includes Canada too, are, are on this preliminary list. So impressive to, to see him, you know, like clearly he was going to be a, a role player or a, a key player for the uh, Americans, which we talked about in the lead up. We never really got to see it, but obviously I think he'd probably just be a bit player on this. But what what an experience that would be if, if he were to uh, to make that team. Yeah, well, I think you can go all the way back to the summer and uh, the World Junior Summer Showcase. He was a, a force in that event. Uh, one of the, the leading scorers during the entire tournament there. And that's what kind of elevated him to surefire status for the World Juniors heading into the season. And then his play at Minnesota so far only cemented that. Um, it, it was definitely disappointing, uh, not just for Nyes, but overall that the world juniors wasn't able to to go forward um but the the brief look that we got at nice during that tournament he, he looked like a an absolute beast i uh, scored the the opening goal for the u.s in their only game of the tournament uh i i think that just all of those things combined helped keep him on the radar for a situation like this and obviously it, it's a quick pivot for all of these uh governing bodies uh, or these hockey governing bodies i guess uh, of the various countries but i think nyes has has earned that recognition and it, it'll be an incredible experience for a young player and just a, a, another chance f- perhaps for leafs fans to to get another a look at an up-and-coming prospect in the organization and hopefully the world juniors go forward later in the year i know there's talk that it could take place in the spring or summertime. All the, the same players would still be eligible and all that. But in the meantime, yeah, looking ahead to the Olympics, I think when you look at some of the other names on that preliminary list, I would say Nyes is a pretty safe bet to to be included if, if he chooses to, which I can't see why he wouldn't. Um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting tournament uh, nonetheless. I know we're all looking forward to seeing best on best NHLers, but there's still going to be a lot of high end talent with some of the, the reported younger recent high draft picks like Owen power and Mason McTavish and guys like that who are going to be included. Also Maddie Beniers with, with the U S team as well. So I still think it's, it's going to be an entertaining tournament, something to look forward to. Yeah. While we're talking Olympics, um, Josh Hosang is on Canada's list. Um, you know, a guy who's been playing with the Marlies doesn't have an NHL contract, so he's eligible. And uh, Leafs legends Cody Franson and Daniel Winnick also potentially. Daniel I didn't see, I didn't see Winnick. Yeah, that's wow, right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, potentially. <laughs> Where is he the, at now? Um, well, listen, do you think I know where Daniel Winnick is right now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> he is in Switzerland. Switzerland. All right. So there you go. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just found out I'm going to be writing some of the Olympic stuff for work. I'm kind of excited. Like, I hope Yager's there. I hope that uh, uh, just we, we get the, the gamut of, of just random, you know, mid-2000s NHLers who are still kicking around. It at least looks like it's going to be a bit more compelling in terms of, you know, players that are going to be participating uh, to the last Olympics. I mean, I, I kind of tuned out to the last one when NHL players weren't uh, participating, but I, I don't recall there being so many exciting young prospects involved. Any of our Finnish boys going to make it? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, yeah, I'd say there's a, probably a good chance that Nimala is 
in consideration for the Finnish team. I mean, they're going to be drawing mostly from Liga. He's arguably been the one best, of the better defenseman. Yeah, yeah he's the, been the highest scoring defenseman in Liga this season. Uh, and on top of that, you know, it's not as if he's purely an offensive blue liner. He he plays a solid defensive game too. Only getting better there as he adds strength and kind of matures. He's still just 19 years old himself. So. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that Nemo is included. Uh, a guy like Hervinen, probably less likely. I think they've got a lot more to, to choose from up front, but he is a player that you know Finland really likes. Uh, he was their captain at the World Juniors. Um, he, he'll probably return to that role if they are able to hold the tournament in the future. So I, I'd say that there's a chance he could be considered, but uh, Nemo is probably the safer bet. Makes sense. Yeah, it seems like, and this is just completely conjecture, but it seems like Niemel is like a, a good bet to um, play and maybe even play like more significant minutes that you might expect. Whereas Hervin and like if he goes, it might be like as a spare or something because forward, they like yeah. him and, you know, they, they want him as part of the yeah. program type of thing. But either way, that's the both are really cool. And um, while we're talking about Niemela. Uh, he just recently signed a one-year extension with Kairpat over in Liga. So uh, he's he's probably staying over in Finland at least for another season. I know a lot of people were looking forward to getting him over to North America, seeing him with the Marlies and maybe pushing for some time with the Leafs. Um, there is still a good chance that he signs his entry-level contract with the Leafs this coming offseason. Uh, what his extension with Kairpat means is if he doesn't crack the Leafs roster out of camp, which isn't likely, uh, you know, given his age and all that. Instead of heading to the Marlies, he would be loaned back to Liga, uh, much in the same way that Rodion Amirov was loaned back to the KHL this season. So the the Leafs, as we mentioned, are set to go on the road for six games starting Saturday in Colorado. And, you know, as we mentioned, kind of a soft schedule to to start after the long layoff. Um Ramps up in a hurry here with the Avs. You guys, I take it, saw the McCarr goal from the other night. Um, mm-hmm. That guy's incredible. He's disgusting. Man. He's disgusting. So, yeah, that's disgusting. That's going to be a good test for, for Toronto. Um, yeah, I think the Avs will probably play them a bit tougher than uh, the last matchup. The Leafs kind of had their way last time. Out. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird Yeah, one. I assume that they're not starting a shooter-tutor this time. So... <laughs> <laughs> Millhouse tied to the fucking goalposts in there. <laughs> yeah, that was not uh, not exactly a textbook goaltending performance. What was it did, did some? I don't even remember the guy's name. Jonas something, I think. The monster. Jonas Johansson or something. So yeah, the Avs, Vegas as well, which should be a good another good test. Uh, you got Arizona, you got St. Louis, and then a couple of games in New York against the Rangers and Isles. So. Uh, kind of a mix of, of teams that have been pretty good and teams that have been not so good in there. Um, but it, it, always good to – it again feels like with Edmonton right before the break and then everything going to shit and people talking about maybe the Canadian division coming back and then Ottawa and Edmonton out of the break, it's like I'm I'm ready to get back to it. Don't cancel any yeah. more of these on me, please. Don't Don't make me go back. No. Interesting. I'm excited to see Mrazic. Like, I think there's at least one back to back there, isn't there? Vegas, Arizona. And even yeah. if there, is, even if there isn't, you probably should get them in anyways. Yeah, yeah I think they'll be looking to get Mrazic into a game here soon. If not a couple of those on the road. Yeah, Keith did say that uh, Jack's going to be given every opportunity to run with it here, and I mean, why not? He he's been absolutely lights out, stellar. Still 
their best player on the season, as well as guys like Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Riley have all played. Campbell's still been the biggest story for yeah. the, the Leafs this season, I think. But if you rattle off three wins in the first four or something, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate giving them. Yeah, they're still going to want to manage the night workload. off for one of those one of those New York games. Yeah, even though they're a couple of days apart. Yeah. All right, so we're going to uh, pretty much wind her down here for this episode. Um, but we've got music uh, this week. Long, uh, longtime listeners of Lamenting the Leafs will remember that we played a lot more music from some East Coast friends during our first season. We haven't done that as much uh, of late, but we're going to work a few tunes in here and there. And we are going to play the first song uh, during season two of the show. And it comes from a loyal listener and a good pal, Trevor Howlett. Trevor and I grew up down the street from each other. Um you know, I, I'm not someone who had like a, a ton of um, like sports influences growing up. Like Nick, I know that you would have had like probably at least like older cousins and stuff who would have gotten you into sports. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have much of that. I had Trevor down the street who who, who was a huge <laughs> Leafs fan and um, w- would you know just talk my ear off about the Leafs until I think I basically jumped on the bandwagon. Is is kind of how that more or less went. Um, but, but I, I wanted to, um, th- throw one in here cause Trevor asked a question like for a mailbag the next time we did a mailbag and we, we've ignored his question here for a number of weeks. And, and I think it's a good time to talk about it because I think that the athletic wrote a, 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 ran a piece today about this topic. And Trevor wants to know if we think it's time to change the goal song and our feelings about the, the goal song. Um, and I'm against it. I'm strongly against changing from Holland Oats. I'm a big Holland Oats guy. I love you make my dreams come true. Uh, I love it. So I, I'm I'm against it. And I think that Nick, you made this point and this is kind of the the big hang up for me as well. If they change it, they're almost certainly changing it to something worse. Yeah. The, I mean I don't really like have any strong connection to any goal song. Like honestly I don't really even remember any goal song prior to the current one. But now every time that I hear that, it's obviously associated with a good time. The Leafs are scoring. Things are good. Um, I'm kind of impartial on the whole thing. Uh, But yeah, my fear is that they'd come up with something way worse than what they have now. Well, the only thing I would be like strongly in favor for is like the personalized goal song thing. Yeah. Like I, I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah. I mean, I hitters in baseball fun. have their own walk-up songs and yeah. pitchers have their own entrance songs. Like, I think the Sabres. I, yeah. The Sabres this do year. Yeah. So I, I, I would do that, but if you're just going to switch it to some fucking other, you know, overused goal song that has like a chant in it, it's just not, I, I agree with you. Like I like the idea of taking a song and making it, like your goal song that you know wasn't a, a, a traditional goal song in the past like they've done with the hollow out song i don't understand why people hate it so much like it, it draws a lot of ire from people and I, it's a good song it's got a i mean the only thing that in the athletic piece the i don't know if we're going to comment on the song i don't want to be rude or anything comment, I, I wasn't a, Let's I, hear it, it was it was <laughs> fucking bad it was bad like i just i don't i don't want to be like you know the music snob guy but it it just it didn't have any any uh i don't know like balls is <laughs> the best way yeah, i can say it, it just that, it that, sounded like a video game in, in in a bad way yeah th- and that would be my only real 
qualm with the Hall and Oates song is that it, it's not like a, a real no, it's not. fire you up, like get the blood pumping kind of song. But And that's what he said. The buddy said in the article that that was one of the few things I agreed with, which was like he said he was at Madison Square Garden and they have a song that was an original song written by their, their organist that's been around since like the 90s. And it has like a component to it that people immediately start kind of like cheering and chanting. And he said it's like three minutes later, like while they're – you know, whatever, still like getting ready for the face off. They're still kind of chanting it in the crowd. It's still go- like, you're not going to get that with the hollow note song. Like people aren't going to be singing the first verse of the song in unison together, but I think it does what it's supposed to do. It, it, it triggers a, an emotion. I think is really all you can kind of look for. I don't, there's only so many, like uh, what was the one that, that Chicago had like Chelsea dagger? Like you can't just, get lightning in a bottle like that because you feel like it It, it's got to happen naturally yeah um that was actually the the part two of trevor's question was about personalized goal songs and i I think i'd be for that as well um but uh, you know i I think that i I would also take issue with the point i i would be singing the first verse in in the crowd (laughs) Um, of Hall and Oates. And I think that if you're going to change Hall and Oates, you got to change it to either the personalized goal songs or like another Hall and Oates song. That's the only way <laughs> Just I accept run with it. it. <laughs> or like, or, or at least like some other like adjacent 80s yacht rock type of song. Like I, <laughs> a Steely that, Dan song kicks in or something. Steely Dan. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, you got it. You nailed it. Um, so we're going to play, we could also just play Trevor's song. We could use Trevor's song. Um, which is called Second Guessing. By the time you hear this, it will be available wherever you get your music. Um, Trevor is a reporter in uh, Edmonton now. Um, has Working for the uh, CBC, big time. That's right. That's right. That's where your tax dollars go to, yes. to help Trevor record songs like Second Guessing. <laughs> uh, here it is on Lamenting the Leafs.
you.